The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, let's get straight into our health talk and we're looking at bladder infections today. Dr. Kent Pluke, uh, I said Pluke earlier, but it's actually Pluke, uh, who's a specialist urologist, is joining us for that conversation. Dr. Pluke, good morning to you and thank you so much for your time today. Good morning, Kathy. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, we're talking about bladder infections, and these are nasty little infections that oftentimes uh, people might not know what's actually going on. Let's talk about the prevalence of bladder infections. How common are they? So, look, I mean, bladder infections are extremely common, especially in the young uh, adult female population. That would probably be the most common uh, you know, age group that would uh, get uh, bladder infections. But, of course, they are also very prevalent in the elderly male when, when they have issues with their prostate and so forth. They often, uh, you know, don't empty their bladder well. And so these uh, these guys also tend to get infections. So unfortunately, you know, it is a very common uh, problem uh, facing a many GPs especially. So, And also don't forget that kids also get uh, bladder infections. And it's important for parents to know that, you know, if your child is having a bladder infection, they certainly do need to see a urologist or at least go and visit a GP who can then refer them on to a specialist because often these kids uh, need further investigation uh, to rule out underlying problems. When we look at how bladder infections present in uh, women, in men and in children, is it always the same way? So look, I mean, you know, bladder infections generally present uh, with um, usually a pain or what is described as discomfort over the suprapubic area, area or the lower abdomen. Um, but it can present in many ways. You know, it can present in children just with a fever, for example. So you, it's uh, very important for uh, GPs and nursing staff, et cetera, at the clinics to check uh, the urine of little children just to have a fever because, you know, it can present like that. But generally speaking, um, the typical presentation of someone with a bladder infection would be that burning sensation when they urinate. Often they experience increased frequency of urination, so they feel like they want to go to the, to the, to the loo all the time. And in the worst-case scenario, you can, in fact, see blood and dust in the urine as well. Um, so, you know, it doesn't only present uh, in the, the, the typical fashion of, you know, people complaining of, of burning of urination. There are, mm. uh, quite, there's quite a lot of different symptoms that one can experience uh, when having a bad infection. And what do we know about what causes bladder infections? So, look, I mean, we all know that uh, infection really is the presence of bacteria or virus uh, in the bladder. But, of course, the most common uh, etiology by far is the so-called E. coli bacteria, uh, which is obviously um, more pills because they have a much shorter urethra than the males, and therefore they are the ones that experience um, infections more commonly. Having said that, you know, one, the problem with bladder infections, especially people who have recurrent bladder infections, the underlying cause may be, you know, an anatomical abnormality in the urinary system. So they may be having an obstruction, they may be having stone, um, they may be having um, issues, they may even be having a cancer, underlying cancer. And that is why it's important for us really to investigate these people who have recurrent infections so that we can identify an underlying cause. 
so the the idea of people then self-diagnosing i imagine is not always a good idea because you know if you've had a blood infection once chances are the next time you have it you're going to recognize the symptoms and think let me take the medication i took the last time yeah that's that's an important point you know um as you know just uh we like to tell people that you get you know we like to classify things um and so we often talk about a simple UTI, uh, which is urinary tract infection, and something, and, and, and then you get more complicated UTIs. So a simple UTI would be uh, typical for a young female um, of childbearing age who experiences a, a urinary tract infection once. Um, she takes some antibiotics. Uh, she goes to the GP, gets an antibiotic, clears up, and it doesn't bother again. That's what we call a simple UTI. There's no other symptoms. It resolves. Uh, with a course of antibiotics, and generally speaking, those don't need to be investigated. But um, this notion that you can, you know, just repeatedly self-treat uh, recurrent infections is certainly a bad idea because you know we really need to look for an underlying cause if they are, you know, is having or if anybody is really having recurrent urinary tract infections. And also important to note, like I said earlier, that the only simple UTI is a, a female of childbearing age who has a single simple uh, UTI, any child, uh, any male that has a UTI, this is not a simple UTI. We actually uh, classify this as a complicated UTI and does need further investigation. So, so I want to begin firstly with the simple UTIs of, of young women that, that you've spoken about. Um, is there a duration for when you can and or when you shouldn't, when it when it's okay rather to not go to the doctor, when you can just self-treat th- that UTI. Look, I mean, generally speaking, a, U, uh, if, uh, if a UTI is uh, a bladder infection and it's going to be in treatment with antibiotics, and only a doctor can prescribe antibiotics. So, to be honest, uh, honestly speaking, all patients with a UTI need to in fact visit a doctor. This notion of self-treatment, um, you know, with all these um, uh, sort of home remedies, uh, while I guess, you know, it's difficult in resource constraints, but essentially uh, it's probably not the right way to go about things. One really should uh, have this symptom uh, and be treated by, by, by a medical professional, by a doctor. We're in conversation with Dr. Kent Pluk. He's a, a specialist urologist, and we're talking about bladder infections, uh, how to treat bladder infections, and he'll also take uh, some of your questions on uh, this conversation today. The number to dial 011-714-2006. If you've had complications with treating your bladder infections, uh, you can also get in touch with us at the WhatsApp line 614 Dr. Dr. Pluk will take any questions that you have on the subject. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.1 FM in Johannesburg. We're leading the conversation on the talking point this morning, our health feature uh, focusing on bladder infections. Dr. Kent Pluke is a specialist urologist who's uh, joining us for the session this morning. So, Dr. Pluke, you, you spoke about young women and uh, just the the random 
bladder infections that we may have. When does it become a serious problem that needs further investigation? What are the symptoms that we should be looking out for? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the most common, um, you know, issue or most common sort of problem that um, women come to us with, for so, example. Sorry, Dr. Pluk, I don't know if you've moved around, uh, but I'm struggling to hear you. I'm getting a bit of an echo on, on this line, so I'm not sure if you can uh, move around a bit further. Uh, but yes, you can go on in answering the question. Uh, I suppose it's a bit better. Slightly, only slightly. Only slightly better. I've just moved out of my... I was answering in my vehicle on yes, my way home. That, yes, that's much better. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is that better? Yes. All right. So you're asking about, about uh, females that... Uh, when, when, when should, we, when, when should we, we be concerned? Yes. And, you know, the most common um, sort of scenario is a young woman who comes in and says, Doctor, you know... I've had four infections this year already, you know, mm-hmm. and often they may say that it, it follows uh, sexual intercourse, for example, um, or, you know, it might just come every month and they just get it treated. A few weeks later, they get it again. And this is a sort of typical problem uh, faced with, uh, uh, and, and at that point is when we sort of get involved and see these patients. And for the older men? When, because you said oftentimes with older men and children, it's pointing to a bigger problem. What have you found to be some of the underlying causes? Yes, that's an excellent question. So for elderly men, you know, they, they, I'm sure the, the listeners will identify with their urinary stream becoming a lot poorer. And this is often due to their prostate, uh, you know, getting larger as the as men age. So generally speaking, men over the age of 60 often have a weaker stream, and this is usually driven by their by their large prostate, what we call benign prostatic enlargement. And uh, so often, what happens there is, you know, you get stasis of urine, and that of course then causes uh, increases the risk for infection. So that is one way the patients actually present that they present to their GPs, uh, elderly guy in their sixties with a urinary tract infection, and in fact, the problem there is probably that they've got a, a prostate issue. Mm-hmm. And so those patients certainly need to be tested both for uh, prostatic enlargement but also for prostate cancer. So we then also have a, a situation when it comes to the treatment. Yes, you've got antibiotics, but are there any dietary recommendations that you have? I know uh, lots of times you're told to drink lots of cranberry juice uh, to help clear blood infection. Does it help? That's an excellent question, Kathy. <laughs> and there's a short please, answer. And please a don't long say answer. no. Please don't say no. If you say it so doesn't there help. Have been, <laughs> yeah, there have been numerous studies on this. And uh, the short answer is that it's probably, the, the short answer is no, but the long answer is that, in fact, there have been studies to show that cranberry juice can be effective at preventing UTIs and treatment. But the dosage of, the, of cranberry juice extract, for example, is, you know, uh, unregulated. Nobody knows how much to take, how much is in the tablet, you know. So these are, these are questions that no one really has answers to. And in fact, you probably need a very, very high dosage to sort of actually have any therapeutic effect. So the truth of the matter is, while it may seem to help, um, there's no robust evidence to say that, you know, uh, cranberry drinking, cranberry juice is going to treat an infection, certainly. There, you know, there is soft evidence to say that it may help prevent infections, but 
but there's no hard evidence to show that it's going to treat an infection. Okay, so so it can help in preventing an infection, but not so much treating. Yeah, but once again, you know, you, one has to take that sort of, I wouldn't say with a pinch of salt, but uh, often, you know, you can, you, you can go to uh, a health store and they will offer you little, uh, you know, extract, little sort of uh, tablets or pills that one can take with uh, cranberry extract, etc., etc. But like again, like I said, the dosage, uh, you know, is different in all of these formulations. Um, so how much it really helps, it's difficult to say. Mm. Any other dietary uh, recommendations that doctors give in general? I know that cranberry juice is not your recommendation, but uh, is there, are there dietary recommendations that you have? Look, I think um, for infections per se, not really, but a lot of young women who, mm. who sort of present or think that they're having recurrent infections are in fact sufferers of something called OAD or overactive bladder syndrome. Mm. Um, and these patients may see benefit in avoiding certain uh, foods in your diet. So often we see that caffeine, uh, cigarette smoke, spicy foods, etc., may actually um, you know, provoke the overactive bladder. And so we often give dietary advice to avoid certain foods in, 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 uh, in, the, in that group of patients. Okay. Uh, and what is an overactive bladder, doctor? So you, you may find that, and this is also more common in, in females, mm-hmm. much more common in females than males, the overactive bladder is essentially where women feel that they always have the urge to go in and, 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 and urinate. So instead of like you and I or the normal person that goes uh, to, the, to the loo sort of once every four or five hours, they feel like they need to go every hour. And when they do feel the urge to, 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 to go, they can't really keep it in, you know. So they're in the mall and they suddenly need to, to run to the loo. Mm-hmm. They can't, they, you know, they don't have good control of their, of their, of their bladder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that can actually be quite, quite, a, quite a big problem in some women where they, you know, they end up wetting themselves in public and that can be obviously psychologically distressing uh, mm-hmm. to them uh, and it prevent them from going to work and prevent them from, you know, wanting to interact socially. So it can actually have quite a... A big effect on on people's lives. Uh, so overactive bladder is not uh, something to be taken too lightly, and it does affect uh, quite 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 a number of women, unfortunately. Mm. But right. like I said, yeah. yeah, the you know for those for that group of patients, uh, the the is treatment. So there are therapeutic things we can we can offer these patients medication. Uh, there's lifestyle modification, so we can do something called bladder retraining, and of course, like I said, we can. And part of that, of course, is avoiding certain uh, foods which we think may trigger this overactive bladder. All right. Th- thanks for that information, Dr. Kent Pluk. I'm taking your calls on 011-714-2006. Sipo, you're calling us from Bloom. Good morning. Yes, how are you, my sister? I'm well, thank you, Sipo. I'm all right, man. Uh, I would like to ask Dr. Ed, because I went to one of the truck stops there to check on my orders and, like, uh, uh, career store and everything, and then so when uh, they check my you, 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 like, you went to check what, Sipo? Um, normally, I used to go to the truck stop and check my about my health. You see? Okay, okay. So, yeah, so now when I went to, uh, to one of the truck stops, the doctor there he said there is a look like my urine got a problem, but he said it's, I, I can use that. There is this uh, citrus soda, I said I can only find by some of the shops there. Uh, it's written UTI. So I want to know, I want to ask the doctor how helpful it is or is it true to, for me to use it uh, and uh, 
how much how much how many purchases would I use per day or per week? So basically, you found a product at the pharmacy that is written UTI. Yeah, the the doctor there by the the, the truck stop he told me that I have to use those uh, purchases uh, so that it's written uh, okay. UTI on it. Yes. Okay, and what do you do? Do you just mix it in water? Yeah, I used some before, but now the things now I didn't go back for to to him for to to recheck me again. Okay. Because now at at the moment, like what I'm experiencing, see, like uh, I'm, I'm I have to go to uh, this thing. Like, I have to go to this thing. You don't remember about uh, if I'm like I'm driving. I I drive about hundred or two hundred kilometers. Like I'm I like my blood is full again. Mm. Yes. Okay. So, uh, yes. All right, Sipul. Let me try and see if Dr. Pluk can help you. So, Dr. Pluk, I'm going to ask you to answer Sipul's question, but I probably will interrupt you because we've got news headlines um, that are coming up shortly. And on the other side of the news headlines, then we'll continue with the calls. In fact, maybe let me do that rather. Uh, Sipul, I'm going to ask you just to stay on the line. Uh, Dr. Pluk will then answer uh, Sipul's questions around the sachets that have been um, recommended to him or given to him as a way of treating his UTI and he wants to know how effective they are. Dr. Pluk will answer on the other side of the 11.30 news headlines. Nomsam Dluli is uh, standing by. Nomsa, good morning. Here, there and everywhere. SAFM 106.6 FM in Bloemfontein. We're continuing with our health talk and we're focusing on bladder infections for today. So we heard the question from Sipo. Dr. Pluk? Hi, yes. Uh, I just want to ask Sipo one question. How old is he? <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm 46, yes, sir. All right. Okay. Sipo, I mean, look, the citrus soda that you're talking about is what we call a urine alkalinizer. And it certainly does help with symptom relief, but it's not really doing anything to treat uh, any condition you have. What it sounds like, from what, from what I heard, it's like, it sounds like you are having increased frequency in urination of urgency, um, yes. um, which is common we see in, uh, in truck drivers, in fact, with people who, dri- who drive long distances. Um, and, you know, it's difficult to diagnose over the phone type thing, but... Uh, like I said, the citrus soda is purely uh, just helping with your symptoms. It's not really treating any condition that you, that, you, that you actually have. So I would say you probably need to go to a doc and just have your prostate uh, checked out and uh, perhaps just they can check out what's going on with your bladder. Uh, okay. You know, it may be that you, one of those gentlemen who at a young age start developing this benign prostatic hyperplasia that I spoke about earlier. And for that, the treatment would be uh, something more medical, something simple like uh, an alpha blocker. Okay, another thing, I don't know whether it could, maybe it could be related, but see on my, um, on the bottom side of my leg, see of my, my ankle, sometimes if I'm driving more than 400 kilometers, uh, they get swollen. Sorry, people. I, I didn't quite hear what you said there. Um, so, so Doctor Pluk, he's he's saying that one of uh, the other symptoms he he has is that his legs and uh, around his ankles he does get swollen, especially after driving around four hundred kilometers. 
Yes, I mean, that is uh, it's quite common for, 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 for one driving that distance. But of course, mm. you know, swelling, swelling legs, uh, you know, that needs, to be, that needs to be investigated. It might not be anything, but certainly it could be something more sinister. And so I think, uh, you know, people, you should probably uh, visit your GP and, and explain those symptoms to him because, you know, that, that, that is uh, to have swelling feet. And ankles at your age, that, that is not entirely, you know, normal. Okay. Uh, All okay. right, Sipo. All of the okay. best. Thank you very much, sister. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank no, no problem. All of the best. Yeah. And get, get, get yourself an appointment with, with a doctor. Um, that's, that's the advice from Dr. Pluke. Khan, you're calling us from Durban. Good morning, Khan. Uh, good morning, Katie. How are you? I'm all right, thank uh, you. Uh, the doctor mentioned earlier that uh, E. coli is a common cause of uh, urinary tract infection. And he also mentioned that uh, females, uh, because of the proximity of the uh, two passages, uh, you know, usually are more prone to uh, infections. Mm. So the thing is, uh, my, my uh, uh, question to him is, you know, when females, uh, say, pass stool, and they use a tissue, and uh, what happens most commonly, they, they bring uh, their tissue forward. So in other words, they're transferring the E. coli from the back to the front. So if, it's a simple thing. If they have to go the other way around, uh, there's less chance of them transferring the E. coli to, from, from the back to the front. Uh, just, just, a, just a thought. That and and can that is... Yeah, that is really a very, very important point that you are raising. Yeah, but when you see whether it's young or old female, yeah. uh, that seems to be a common thing where it comes from the back to the front and not, not realizing what they're doing. Yeah. So if they go the other way around, uh, there's less chances of getting an infection. Yeah. Th- thank you, Khan, for, for raising it. And, and Dr. Pluke, I mean, that that's something that... I remember you. Uh, we used to read about in girls' magazines. We're told yes. in life orientation it was emphasized, you know, from the front to the back, from the front to the back. But you, you can tell us more about why it's actually such an important uh, habit to, to, to develop for, for women. Yes, I mean, this is something that comes up very often. Um, and look, uh, the, the theory behind that is uh, I think the listener actually explained it fairly well that. Uh, you know, the female urethra um, is very short, like I said, and, uh, you know, the female perineum uh, is very close to the, to, the, to the back passage. So the theory there is that you can, you know, you can spread some bacteria from the back passage up into the urethral opening, and that's, uh, you know, increasing your risk for infections. Uh, once again, the, the, you know, as a scientist, the, the, the evidence for that is not very robust. But I mean, I think it's a good, you know, it's a good practice. <laughs> um, so, you know, Doctor Pluke. Doctor Pluke, first, first, you came and you killed our cranberry solutions. Please do do not do do not undo all of these decades <laughs> of hard work. Please, they're people that have worked very very hard to get us to where we are today. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, I think, um, yeah. What I say is always do these things. I mean, there's no harm in uh, drinking cranberry juice. Cranberry juice is very healthy for both females and males. Um, certainly wiping uh, front to back makes sense to me. Uh, so these types of things, I'm not, you know, doctors and, and scientists shouldn't uh, say they're no good and we should stop doing them. Um, I think, you know, good practices like that should be encouraged. 
Um, but, you know, we also need to realize that uh, you should, one should take caution, you know, in, in always trying to treat things uh, at home and home remedies and that type of thing. Because often uh, more serious conditions can be missed because, you know, you, like you said, people are self-treating for so long. Mm. And so I certainly think that, um, you know, if you have a serious infection or problems with your bladder, um, treating it at home may not be the best solution in the long run because often we can, you know, if you pick something up early, you can prevent long-term damage. Because remember, the big thing with bladder problems that eventually it leads to kidney problems. Mm. And unfortunately, you know, if you have chronic kidney disease, there is a much bigger problem long-term for you uh, than your than your VPI. <laughs> And I think you're touching on a very important point there about why bladder infections should not be neglected because sometimes they develop into kidney infections as well. Correct. And you can have recurrent infections can also, like I said, you know, or, or the symptoms, the big issue is that the symptoms that, uh, that one experiences with bladder infections, uh, in inverted commas, may be something more serious, especially if it's recurrent. You know, it may in fact be a bladder stone, you know, you can get bladder stones, you can have kidney stones, you could have a bladder tumor. Um, so, you know, that, that is the reason that one should not just uh, ignore uh, recurrent bladder infections. Mm. Anonymous, you're calling us from Akonhook. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Saskiafi. And good morning to Dr. Plutk. Um, I want to ask uh, Dr. Um, I've got uh, a daughter who's seven years old, and I've got a son. He's about three years old now. So uh, my wife, uh, I would assume that she maybe she might have this uh, uh, bladder infection because uh, whenever maybe she wants, like, for example, if she drinks maybe a lot of water or any drink that she drinks, uh, she would, like, if she goes to the, uh, to the bathroom, it's like she can't really hold herself. So it's like, I want to go to the bathroom as in like now, now, now. So it seems like even with those, uh, like with my kids, it's the, it seems like it's the same, the same thing. So I'm not sure if this could be like, is it possible? Like maybe, uh, like, can it carry on to the kids or something like that? I'm not sure. Okay. Um all right, so so what your what your 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 wife is experiencing does sound more like overactive bladder, um, which essentially you know can present like typical, like you said, wanting to go to the toilet uh, all the time and not being able to hold it in. And like I said earlier, that can be treated medically. Uh, the, you know, we can give medication to improve that. Uh, we can also advise on, on lifestyle modification to improve that, bladder retraining, uh, and worst-case scenario, with the, you know, there are some sort of surgical managements as well. So I think um, to answer the first part of the question, uh, it does sound like uh, you know, I should probably go and see a GP at least and get, possibly get a referred, referral to a, a urologist. But to answer the second part of the question, whether this can be, uh, you know, whether your children can suffer from this, um, look, uh, not at their age. Um, your daughter, being a, a female, <laughs> unfortunately, is going to be at increased risk of uh, having an overactive bladder, especially if, it, if a mom has an overactive bladder. We do see them running families. Um, but certainly for your son, there's no risk of, of, of having issues.
Okay, thank you, Doctor. And Sis Kefi, thank you so much. No, no problem, Anonymous. Thanks for calling in. Okay. To Fossil... Uh, all right, sorry about that. To Fossilurus now, Hilda, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Hello. Kathy, I'm sorry, this question is first to direct to you before I, I go to the doctor. To Kathy, me? Uh, uh. Yes. Mm. I feel, uh, I'm sorry why I'm asking you this. I feel we are dis- discriminated. We, we've got two uh, government bodies, Health Professional Council and mm. Allied Health Professional Council. So I've never seen you guys. Uh, um, inviting doctors from allied health professional countries, doctors that are using natural medicine. And then the other ones you call almost are the ones who are using chemical medicine. So we think oh, it's okay. in which you could help people also, but we can't. At any rate, Kate, so, so, so Hilda, you, you're, talk, so Hilda you're, talking about, so you're talking about looking at people who are accredited in the homeopathic medication space and then having them also come on? Yes, it's not even uh, homeopathy. You can mm. get to know that there's reflexology, naturopathy, Ayurvedic. These are the, 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 the new professions we brought in the country mm. for our people. Think that Western medicine with this chemical medicine alone is not yeah. That is why we lobby during the time of uh, uh, President Bert. We need, we need this for our people in the country. And then it was allowed. And we are practicing, but we find most of the time on the radio... Oh, it's mm. only Western medicine. So our people have got no information mm. where to turn to if Western medicine fails. I think see? that's an excellent idea, Hilda. It's an excellent idea. And and it's certainly something that we will need to work on as the team and see uh, how we bring in more of those voices. But yeah, it's really it, it really is a great idea. No objections from me. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. coming to the doctor, I don't know if the, if the doctor... Has you has, has ever heard about the reflexologist, the reflexology, how it works? Because uh, actually, I want to find out from him, does he know uh, the system test? Because I, I, before I studied reflexology, I once had a, 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 a pain in my womb. Say maybe five minutes, I'm at we. After we, releasing that, 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 that we, hey, there will be a pain as if I'm giving birth after I'm finished every five minutes. Until when I went to the doctor, he said to me, no, nothing can be done and the like. Fortunately, I met the other guy who referred me to a reflexologist. So when they check on my feet, reflexologist, it's a map of, it's a map of your body you heard about reflexologist needs with the feet the most. So the feet will just tell what was the problem. So there was a, 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 a lamp around my womb reflex and also my, 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 my uh, bladder reflex. And then it was sticking out. And then they work on me, work on me. The pain then it went away since then. So I was listening to the guy who was asking the doctor about uh, the, the, his now ankles are, are like swollen and the like. So that's our speciality there because it sounds like he's it, it, it got now the, the, the kidney problems and the ankles start to be swollen. So it's where we start working with the kind of feet that are like that. Because some people, they don't know why my feet in this area is like sticking out. So with me, because it's my expert, I can able to say, oh, which area of the body has got a problem, which area of the body. So for our duty is to stimulate those organs that are start malfunctioning when people get pains and the like. Okay. Uh, Dr. Yes. Pluk, let me, let me come in here and get you to, to weigh in. And, and, and I know that, yeah, it, it may be a bit of a complex space because the approach um, that, that Hilda is talking about is very different to perhaps what you do as a doctor. Yes, um, Kathy, I mean, from my side, you know, uh, from sort of coming from a sort of more uh, 
scientific or uh, more sort of, uh, I don't know what the good word is, uh, traditional medical sort of perspective, um, you know, I, I do know that we tend to, to overlook, um, you know, uh, allied, allied health professionals in a sense. But personally, I uh, encourage uh, patients to to uh, use the, to use allied uh, health uh, professionals and certainly explore those options, um, but also with caution. You know, in the same breath, I do want to say that uh, you know, especially patients who have complicated UTIs, like I said, you know, there may be an underlying anatomical or surgical problem that needs to be addressed um, um, by, by by a specialist urologist surgeon, for example, like myself. So I, I think it's always fantastic that patients educate themselves about um, the different treatment options available and uh, uh, be free and uh, um, open to exploring those. Um, and I think, you know, the, 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 the common ground needs to be reached where uh, we can support each other and, and respect each other's uh, crafts and um, be open to, to, to alternative um, treatments. All right. Okay. Uh, Cecilda, does that cover you? Yes, I want to say something. I, I, I don't like uh, doctors who criticize other professions. If you are in this field, concentrate on this field, and also in this field, the entire resort must be in this field, because like you're talking about, they concentrate on surgery. On mm-hmm. I once dealt with a case of somebody who had a, a ganglion. You, the, that case always she went to surgery, surgery didn't work. So she consulted with me. I worked on, on that ganglion without any cut, and it vanished. So that is why if they stick, they stick along the lines of Western medicine, chemical medicine. Mm-hmm. So we, when we, we enter, we enter with natural medicine because what even the scope if a person is using this kind of a chronic treatment from the doctor's practice in Western medicine, chemicals, so you, you must know that it's going to affect ABC. So you must stimulate those ABC that is affected by those uh, uh, chemical medicines mm. that doctors are, are, are supplying to, to, to the client. Okay. All right, Hilda. Thanks for, for making that point and for calling in. I think, uh, by and large, Dr. Pluk is very much um, in support of different health professionals working together, having some kind of alignment between their work, but certainly um, not taking for granted, particularly where there are uh, greater underlying symptoms for that to also uh, be checked out. Peter, you're calling us from Uppington. Hello. Good day, Katie. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you, Peter? Thank you. Good day to the doctor also. Katie, Hello. I'm experiencing Hello, doctor. Katie, I'm experiencing a small problem whereby my son, when he was much smaller, I'm talking now, he's 17 years now. And then when he was around about four or five years, one of his cousins kicked him in the balls. And that ended up one of his little eggs shifting upwards and it's not sitting in place. Uh, I tried to make an appointment that was just before COVID and so on. As to the senses, I'm a truck driver and I don't get a chance always to be at home and see to that everything is being done. Then just COVID, his appointment was like an ex-Kimberley and then they, uh, like an Due to COVID, everything was closed. But now still currently I'm sitting with a problem. How to go about this, Katie? Because we are still awaiting for the hospital for the appointment for his surgery mm-hmm. for this uh, egg of his to be replaced and shifted backwards. And how have you found that it has impacted him, Peter? 
No, unfortunately, currently he's not complaining actually about it. Just, just once in a while he's getting a pain like in, at his lower back and so on and then. But other than that, he's not uh, like in, uh, having major complaints around him about it itself, mm-hmm. about his small head. Okay. Dr. Pluke? Um, yes, so what it sounds like uh, his son, Peter's uh, son, he's got uh, retractile testis there on the left, sort of under the conditions of uh, undescended testes. Um, and he certainly does require surgery for that, um, to bring that, uh, that, that testis down before puberty. Um, I can only um, sort of empathize uh, with him because I know that the public health system is, you know, uh, heavily... Um, over, over overburdened with patients, you know, it's a scarce resource, and uh, waiting times is a is a huge problem in the in the in the public health service at the moment. Um, I just didn't get where he's calling from, which area? Uh, from Uppington. Wow, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I haven't really ever worked in Uppington uh, personally. But I'm sure they experience the same problems that we do in the Western Cape, where, where waiting times uh, in the public uh, hospitals is extremely long, um, just simply because of resource constraints. I'm sure there's probably only one or two surgeons in Uppington who's able to do his surgery, uh, which obviously makes it uh, very difficult um, for them uh, to, you know, to make time to do these, these types of surgeries. So uh, my advice is really uh, that it needs to be done. It's not an urgent thing. Um, but it certainly does need to be done before puberty. Um, and and uh, unfortunately, I don't have any sort of recourse for him in, in, in terms of, you know, making that surgery happen faster, unfortunately. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> it really is a difficult, difficult place we find ourselves in, uh, in the public health sector. Yeah. Peter, does that help, the answer? Yes, but uh, Dr. Dr. Dan suggests that I bring him to Johannesburg again. You know, you're more than welcome to bring it to the Western Cape at some point. Um, um, I'm in private practice. Um, I'll be more than willing to, to, to assist. But like I said, I, I do know that uh, even in Johannesburg, you may mm. find that the waiting times are incredibly long. Mm. Um, what I suggest is, in fact, you go to the hospital. Uh, what tends to work quite well is writing a letter to the hospital manager um, explaining uh, the predicament that you know you've been, uh, you're still waiting for an appointment and waiting for an operation and, 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 and the situation, and that generally does tend to, to speed up the process. Uh, is there maybe a number that I can use in Cape Town, whereby maybe, for instance, I can, if possible, I can get into Cape Town just to do a checkup, and then from there on, maybe mm. the doctor's website can suggest how fast or how urgently it might be. Um, look, I mean, I think that's, uh, yeah, we, um, certainly we can share our, uh, my contact details uh, later on uh, at the end of the show. But, you know, I think, uh, like I said earlier, this is not an emergency. Uh, we generally do tend uh, to say that these operations need to take place sort of before the age, uh, before puberty, so we're looking at about 13, 14 years old. And I think you said your son is how old now? 10 or 11? No, 17. Seventeen. Seven, one seven or seven? Yes. Seven. So one seven. Okay. One seven. He just turned seventeen on Friday. Oh, okay. No, so, so yeah, that, I mean, you know, that certainly then changes it. I think he does need an operation, you know, fairly urgently, but not sort of an emergency. 
it's not an emergency. It just needs to, mm-hmm. to happen soonish. Okay. Okay. So, so here's what we'll do, uh, Peter. Is that um, we will give Dr. Pluke your contact details, and maybe he'll be uh, he'll be able to contact you just to also uh, assist in terms of taking this issue uh, offline, and maybe you'll be able to get the assistance that you actually require. Uh, Dr. Pluke, I've still got a couple of WhatsApp voice notes and messages. So, if we begin with the voice notes, I'm just going to play a voice note, and then you can respond uh, to whatever it is our listeners might be asking in those voice notes after it's done. Hello, Kathy. This is Menzi from KZN. Um, could you please ask the doctor there, um, if you are struggling to urinate, uh, is that a sign of uh, the infection? And uh, because I struggle sometimes to urinate, but when I sweat, I sweat extensively. Uh, is that related to this type of infection or it's something else? Because I did go to the hospital. They gave me some antibiotics. When the antibiotics are still in the system, are still in the blood, the flow of urine is normal. But once the the, the, this thing, the antibiotics are finished, uh, the the urine start to come slow again. Is this part of the infection or it's something else? All right, I heard that question. Um, as mentioned earlier, you know we, we we touched on the causes of UTIs, and even though we know that they are bacterial, um, we have to have to look, especially in males, at an underlying cause for the infections, in other words, some sort of anatomical or mechanical obstruction of urine that generally causes infections in males. So certainly I think that needs to be investigated. There are two causes often in males. The one is something called the urethral stricture, and the other, of course, uh, is um, the prostate enlargement that can cause uh, uh, poor stream and, and increased infections. So certainly I think the listener needs to have those two um, pathologies investigated and ruled out. All right, thanks for that. Good day, good day, good morning, uh, says Katie. Uh, says Katie, you're speaking to Lennon. Says Katie, what the, my question is, what uh, remedy can the doctor prescribe for someone who has got difficulties uh, in passing uh, urine when he's uh, urinating and then it takes time even though he has to be flushing like straight right on but it takes time and it come it comes out uh, slowly slowly what's the cause of that Lennon all right I heard that quite clearly it really does depend on the age of the male if it's a young male generally it's a stricture if it's an elderly guy over the age of sort of 50 or 45 then generally speaking, this is probably what we call benign prostatic hyperplasia. Um, and of course, one can't rule out a cancer. So these are patients that should probably see a GP, get their PSA checked, and uh, probably be started on some sort of medication to try and uh, improve the flow of urine. Kathy, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm a long-distance truck driver. Oh, I've got this problem of the urine that is burning. Some other people are telling me it's because 
I'm not drinking enough water and this problem is approximately for the last 12 years now, I don't know. Sometimes it comes, sometimes it goes. Can the doctor advise me? It's a long distance truck driver. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, yes, once again, uh, similar problem as the caller that called in earlier. The long distance drivers, like I said, do tend to have this problem of uh, prostate issues. And there are treatments, there are medical treatments that can assist uh, these guys. Often they can take uh, even, uh, you know, what we call an alpha blocker or some of them need an anticholinergic. But uh, once again, these need to be prescribed by a medical professional. At, at currently, there is no sort of alternative medicine that has been proven to, uh, to, to, to sort of relieve these symptoms um, uh, in any studies at the moment. They, the, the treatment really is medical, unfortunately, and in some cases, of course, surgical uh, if the medication is not working. So these guys really do need to go and see their GP. I've got a question here from Anonymous, who is 47 years old. She says, generally, she's not sexually active, so she can go a year without being sexually involved. And whenever I engage in sex, I end up with a severely with with urine that burns for a day, and it goes away after taking antibiotics. Yes, that's an excellent question. Uh question mm. and she's experiencing something what we call postcoital UTIs which is quite common once again like I said especially um, uh, in, in women who have in sex, sexual intercourse infrequently uh, we also see it with elderly ladies who are you know um, postmenopausal um, just because of the hormonal changes so there are some uh, I can give some advice there the one would be to post uh, you know post, what we call postcoital delayed urination uh, so in, 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 in douching, um, and these are things that have been uh, sort of recommended. Or, but once again, like I said, there's been no robust evidence to say that they actually <laughs> uh, improve the, uh, the occurrence of UTIs. Um, having said that, I think it is a good practice. Uh, and then what she can also do is go to the GP and get what we call a prescription for for, for um, antibiotic. And whenever she has coitus immediately afterwards she actually takes the antibiotic and this will actually prevent the infection. Mm, okay thank you for that uh, and then just one last one here Dr. Pluk um, can a prolapsed bladder after childbirth cause frequent UTI and if so what can be done and the second one is over a 33 year old male who continues to drip urine for 30 minutes or so after passing urine Okay, fantastic. Two good questions. The first one is a, an excellent question, and uh, the answer is emphatically yes. We can uh, operate and improve uh, um, the symptoms by operating, uh, giving a bladder lift, so to speak. But once again, she would have to go and visit uh, a urologist or gynecologist, and usually one needs a referral from a GP, because that definitely is a cause of uh, recurrent urinary tract infections. It can also cause quite nasty uh, dribbling and incontinence um, at, at worst in the worst-case scenario. So certainly bladder prolapse and uh, commonly seen um, after, uh, in ladies after, giving, uh, after childbirth um, can be treated and, and repaired, but often, unfortunately, this does require surgery. And then the second question, a 33-year-old male with uh, urine dribbling, um, he most likely has a stricture, unfortunately. 
Um, and, uh, you know, this probably uh, needs to be treated by a urologist. So he probably needs to then uh, see his GP and get a referral to a urologist who can then help him out. All right. Thank you so much uh, for your time today, Dr. Pluk. It's been an absolute pleasure being in conversation with you, and I think really helpful to all of us as uh, those who've tuned into the Talking Point for today. It's also where we wrap it up for this Wednesday uh, afternoon. It's just after midday. Sakina Kamwendo is standing by to take over on the update at noon. The Talking Point back with you again tomorrow. Have yourselves a lovely afternoon. Sakina, hello.